And we welcome you into episode 14 of the best podcast available, the most anticipated podcast in the series, Gribs. It is the schedule release. The 2021 NFL schedule is officially out. We know who the Cleveland Browns are going to play in 2021 and when they are going to play them. Gribs, the first thought that comes to your mind when you take a look at this 2021 schedule, we'll go then quarter by quarter. Obviously, the last quarter is five games now that they're 17, but you know the quarter system you get. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing that sticks out the most is what the Browns are doing to start the season. I-, I think that's the one that strikes you right away, going right back to where you ended last year against the Kansas City Chiefs. We knew the Chiefs were going to be on the schedule, knew you were going to Arrowhead. Don't know if any of us thought it was going to happen week one. You know, I, I thought you like to save those kind of juicy matchups for within the season because everyone's watching week one anyways. But the, the, the NFL is coming out hot with this matchup right at the beginning. Uh, a very different Browns team against a very different Chiefs team with a brand new offensive line, uh, a healthier Patrick Mahomes, all that stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a big matchup week one and a huge matchup for a team that understandably, these are new times for the Browns, but a team that has struggled in season openers. And, and so the, the test to kind of get, get, get that out of your history is, is, is as big as, as it's going to be. Yeah. Something to watch here. There are plenty of games uh, that are marquee, not just the, the days of 15, one o'clock games and one usually Thursday night game gone. <laughs> a lot of prime time, a lot of late afternoon, uh, some big games under the lights, even a little something under your stocking on Christmas Day. We will get to the schedule in just a minute. I do want to promote, it is rookie minicamp weekend as well. Wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea had a chance to sit down with my partner in crime, Andrew Gribble, along with Nathan Zagura. Can't miss that interview. Uh, A lot of insight into that wide receiver room as they get ready for the 2021 season and uh, rookie minicamp this weekend. And of course, uh, the minicamp in June and then training camp at the end of July. That'll be coming up in just a few minutes. Right now, though, we break down the schedule in quarter number one of the 2021 season. You heard Gribble just talk about it. At Kansas City, 425, the CBSA game. Nance, Romo, we can only assume on the call for that one. Uh, That's week one. Week two and three, you're home back-to-back weeks. Home for Houston at 1 o'clock. Home for Chicago at 1 o'clock. And then to close out the first four games of the season at Minnesota, our chance uh, for us to go to their new stadium. The last time I was there was 2013, and it was still the Dome. And uh, some interesting times in that Dome stadium at the Hubert Humphrey uh, Metrodome. So uh, those are your first four games, Gribs. You mentioned the Kansas City game, but after that, uh, if this team's going to be a playoff team, you want to get off to a, a really good start and the first four games really kind of allow you to do that potentially. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to achieve the the goals you have for, for 2021, these are after the chiefs, these, these are games you're going to be expected to win. And I even include the, the Vikings in that game. I mean, that's not going to be an easy place to go. The, the Kevin Stefanski reunion going back to Minnesota week four. I, I just think those two home games, especially you saw what happened last year, tough opening week last year, but you come back and win against Cincinnati and Washington Get, get kind of the good feelings back and, and rolling. And then you go win a tough game uh, against Dallas and all of a sudden you're three and one. I think that's, that's kind of what you're looking for. And especially if you can beat the chiefs, which I think this team is fully capable of doing. 
then you look at it, you're like, all right, we have everything in front of us now. And you want to just put yourself in as good a position as possible in these early games. Cause as you mentioned, these four games, no division games yet. These are these ones you got to take care of uh, and put yourself in a good spot before playing some games that count twice, as they like to say. Yeah, indeed. We don't know who's going to start a quarterback in Chicago, obviously. Uh, will, will it be Justin Fields? You don't know who's going to start a quarterback for Houston <laughs> in, yeah. in the home opener uh, with everything they've got going on there. So You get Chicago early, that leans more towards Andy Dalton, you would think, at that stage of the season. Whereas you see the Bengals later, I don't know, or these other teams later in the, in the season, it's almost like I'm okay getting the Bears early. I don't know if I want to get them later in the season when they, they really get rolling with probably with fields under center. I think you can make that argument too about Kansas city, you know, week yeah. one before they get really rolling. Cause you know, they will get, ro- the, you know, they will be rolling at some point here as they get into October, once they get a few games under their belt, but we really don't know how the preseason's going to go quite yet. Still might be some feeling out and, and an opportunity there. If you're the Browns to catch Kansas city. Uh, but like you said, it's a winnable game. We proved that last year or, last year earlier this year in the playoffs uh we get that chance for redemption in week one right off the bat the second grouping of games the second quarter of the season uh obviously you went to minnesota on october 3rd back-to-back weeks on the road you go to la take on the chargers uh who i think have had a fantastic offseason had a great draft home for arizona a 405 back-to-back 405 games and then a short week thursday night Denver comes rolling into town Thursday night football, the first of three under the lights. And then October 31st, happy Halloween, the Pittsburgh Steelers come to town. So uh, some very tough games in the month of October and only one of them at one o'clock. You're going to be all over the map here in terms of when you're playing and including a West coast trip. Well, there's a couple things that stand out to me. First off back to back with the Chargers and Cardinals, two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL you'll be facing and then I look at that Denver game, and my thought is that's a t- tough trip for Denver, uh, making that trip on a short week, uh, uh, essentially going cross country. I mean, we, in the past, when when the Browns have traveled to Denver, that's a that's an extra day trip that you make to get adjusted to things uh, and the elements. But uh, I, I I've seen this go viral on Twitter lately, where people rank their favorite months of the year uh, weather wise in Ohio, and October is my number one. So I'm glad the NFL is fully supporting. October as a Cleveland weather month and giving us three home games back to back to back, because that is, that's the best weather that you're getting in Cleveland. In my opinion is, is that time of year. I think last year it skewed a little later and you wait a little too long. And, and then, then the lake starts to get angry at you and you have those three really bad weather games. Uh, so yeah. they're hitting the window nicely with the, the sweet spot. Cause that's, that's usually one of my always big complaints is they always miss out uh, on Cleveland's great weather season in the fall. And now you've got five games kind of in that window this year. Yeah, indeed. So you have three home games in October, uh, two on the road, because you do get five weekends in October. You get to November, and it's three on the road and one at home. And by the way, normally, well, not normally, this past season, you had the bye week after week eight. Still no bye week on the horizon at that point. Could get interesting. November 7th, a trip to Cincinnati. So you go back to back, Pittsburgh home at Cincinnati. Then you go to New England and deal with Mr. Belichick. I think you're going to deal with Cam Newton, but I really don't know what you're going to deal with by that point in the season. Detroit home, 
And then November 28th, can I interest you in some Sunday night football? 8.20 at Baltimore. Sunday night football, kids. And uh, that's how you close out the first 12 games and you're rewarded with a bye week. Your thoughts on the November schedule, Gribbs? Well, you know, I think the the, the key thing is, is it's crazy. Just it's more of a, of a reflection of the Patriots right now that you, the Browns going to New England is just a standard one o'clock game. Uh, it's it's one of those where just a couple of years ago when the Browns went to New England, it was it was in that window, the Nance Romo window. Now it's just kind of in the middle of the pack. With the Lions, you're the game before the game. You get the Lions right before they play on Thanksgiving, whereas a lot of people thought the Browns might be in the mix for a Thanksgiving game uh, this year. And with the Ravens game, it's interesting. You're basically the grand finale of the best football weekend of the year. With Thanksgiving, it's a great week for the college game. Uh, it's You've got NFL on Thursday. You've got the college games on Friday, Saturday. Uh, the rivalry weekend. And then you've got Browns Ravens as kind of the exclamation point on that weekend. It's just not a trip I like making after playing football 12 weeks in a row. Uh, That's, that's a tough, a tough ask. And that's the way the schedule lays out this year with uh, bye weeks in places that you didn't even have bye weeks before last year. The last bye week was week 12 Uh, Browns get it week 13. There you go. As things malfunction here at my desk, I'm good. I'm all right. (laughs) Everything's great, Gribbs. You can laugh about that. I don't know what the <laughs> heck just happened, but something happened on my chair. It's all right. I've been on vacation. It's the vacation diet. Uh, bye week. First week in December. Um, okay. I mean, 12 games, you're playing four more, and you get a bye week. And then, oh, by the way, coming out of the bye week, you see the team that you just played on Sunday Night Football. Baltimore on 12-12 at 1 o'clock. 12-18 or 12-19, you're going to play Las Vegas. I'm hoping it's going to be on Sunday at 1 o'clock on the 19th. Well, I'm hoping Gibbs, that's a chance at another at a, at a well-deserved primetime game at, at First Energy Stadium. You only got one. I would love for it to be the second. You get a, maybe a little Saturday night football. It's going to be cold, Gribbs. It's the yeah, summer, buddy. For, Browns fans deserve more than one primetime game at home this year. I would agree with I, that. I, I, I think that that's, that's I, I saw so I'm rooting for that one to, to get flexed in there. So we don't know what's going to happen with that one. And then I bring you Christmas week, Christmas day at Lambeau field, frozen tundra feet of snow, four 30 kickoff. So if you're having Christmas dinner, you might want to have it at one o'clock because by four 30, you're going to want to be ready to go to watch Browns Packers. We will be in Green Bay for Christmas and taking on the Green Bay Packers. And then normally you'd be getting ready for the final week of the season. Not so much because you have two more games after that. January 3rd, can I interest you in a trip to Heinz Field at Pittsburgh Monday Night Football on ESPN? So you go from Christmas Day to Monday Night Football, and then to wrap up the season, January 9th, hosting Cincinnati at one o'clock. Boy, and that January 9th game, uh, who knows what the weather will be by that point. But that is your 2021 schedule. Your thoughts on that last group of games? Well, I've got three things here. Two of them involve history. So the Baltimore Ravens playing them back-to-back games in the regular season, just the second time that's happened in franchise history last time being 1957 against the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's been a long time 
since you have back-to-back games against the same team. Granted, there's a bye week, but it's still, it's a weird thing. Christmas, first time in team history that this has ever happened, where the Browns have played on Christmas. Granted, you look at the first half of the team's history, a lot of times the schedule was over by then. So it's you're looking at a smaller window, but it's still a pretty notable thing that this is the first time the Browns have ever played on Christmas. Played on Thanksgiving plenty of times, but, but Christmas, this is a unique thing. And then thirdly, when I look at this schedule and I see it a January 9th game, and I see the Browns having a week 13 bye week, I think to myself, why not just give teams two bye weeks during this schedule? You, we're already comfortable stretching the season into mid-January. Why not stretch it one more week? Let's do 19 weeks of NFL football. Like, why, why is that not on the table? It's more, more, more content, more weekends, more time to fill. Bump the Super Bowl back a week. Uh, you know, maybe even link it up with that President's Day weekend. Get Super Bowl Sunday lined up with oh, President's Day weekend. What a novel concept. I mean, I'm just putting ideas out there. I'm just, I'm just putting ideas out there because when I think of this, I see the bye week in week 13 and I think of it in two ways. One, that's a long time to wait to have your bye week. That's 12 weeks. You essentially get a bye week after that third preseason game, but it's a little different. That's, that's really early. So that's 12 straight, straight weeks of playing. No one does that. College teams have bye weeks during their 12-game season. It's just it's tough on teams that deal with injuries, everything like that. But then I also think, look at what happened with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. They had the last bye week last year, and they came out hot in the final part of the season when they needed to be the best, and they were like the freshest, best team when they needed to be, and they were the hottest team, and they won the Super Bowl. So it's, it's two mindsets when I look at that bye week like that. But I ultimately think the solution is – Let's just give two buys. What, what, what's, what's, the, what's holding us back from this? Yeah, I mean, start, start having bye weeks, you know, put more teams in the bye week, you know, in, in the bye weeks, if need be. Like, there's no reason why you can't have a bye week five, week six, and then week 13. That'd be pretty nice, you know. To yeah, get it's the- interesting. And I just wonder, I mean, again, there's probably a great reason why that I just don't know that I'm being instructed. I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, I, I like more football. I like more weeks of football. The moment that the Super Bowl is over, I immediately miss having football on, on weekends. And I, I get that you maybe don't want to s- stretch your season that long, but I, I think this, uh, I don't know, we'll see. But I, but I think it, this bye week is going to be a, a, a good test for this team. It's, it's all about maintaining your health and getting yourself into a good position where you can come back strong for that final stretch. And I will say one more thing about the primetime games. This to me, having the Christmas game and a Monday night football game in weeks 16 and 17 is validation from the NFL that they believe in the Cleveland Browns. 2019, you had all those primetime games. They were at the beginning of the schedule. These primetime games are near the end of the schedule. The NFL believes, the TV networks believe, the Browns will be playing games that matter in late December and January. And I think that's a testament of of just how good the Browns were last year. So are we counting the Green Bay game as a, as a primetime game? I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the only game on TV. So that, that to me tells you, you don't put on a, a clunker on, on that in that time spot. All right. So four primetime games. You're looking at the Thursday night game against Denver on October 21st at Baltimore on November 28th, Sunday night football on NBC uh, on the 25th Christmas day uh, in Green Bay on Fox and NFL Network. 
And then January 3rd, Monday Night Football on ESPN at Pittsburgh. As you said, only one of those is here in Cleveland. And two on the road against division foes. Not doing any favors. It's interesting because I I keep looking at the schedule for flex candidates. Like, because you want, obviously there's, there's windows now and you can flex into Monday night as well now. Uh, So there's, there's a lot of possibilities. I would say the, when I'm looking at the schedule, the most flexible game I see is probably that Patriots game. Say that, say, say it's vintage Patriots coming out of the gate this year and the Browns are as good as we think they can be. That's a game that I don't think is going to be at one o'clock. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Maybe that's that. That might be the most flexible game that that that's out there still. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and as you said, that Las Vegas game. Yeah, you know, I mean that. I don't know that that Monday night in Pittsburgh could come down to maybe it's a little clinching. Maybe it's a little clinch on the AFC North. Do, do the do the Raiders want any part of Saturday night after what happened to them last year? No, where, where they got Fitz Magic. Uh, out of the playoffs essentially yeah. on Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. It, it, it is a tough schedule. It is a much tougher schedule than I think the one we played this past season. What's the quarterbacks? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of talent that this football team, they're going to be tested. They're going to be tested early. They're going to be tested throughout the entire season. But again, this team is built now to do so, both on offense and on defense with everything that they've done. Gribs, uh, any word on preseason? Have we heard when anything might be coming out about that? I know, I, I believe Tom Pelissero from NFL Network uh, had something on joint practices maybe being allowed. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the Browns have three games in the preseason, just like everyone else. I mean, you got you, you get to see the first Trevor Lawrence appearance in the NFL, potentially. Maybe some Tim Tebow, that if he makes it to, to week one of the preseason, hosting the Giants, and then at Atlanta on Sunday night football in the preseason. So we'll see what that looks like. Three preseason games is better than the none you had last year, uh, I would say. But I think the NFL has taken steps. That they've, they said teams can apply to practice off-site, which they couldn't do last year. Uh, so that's a big step in the right direction. And then we'll see. I imagine that this is the, the joint practice decision is probably something that's going to get decided maybe when we're a little bit more aware of what the, the national COVID situation is going to be uh, at that time. Obviously trending in the right direction, but I think that's that's one of those that would be in the wait and see category. But you know, teams, a lot of teams like doing it, especially now. I almost think teams might be more open to doing it uh, with one less preseason game because you still have the same window of time that you used to have, but you just have one less game. You and don't have that inter- fourth game on that Thursday night going into Labor Day weekend. Right. And I, I'll be interested to see if our team's going to treat that last preseason game as a dress rehearsal, or are they just going to treat it like the last preseason game? I tend to believe it'll be the latter, um, but uh, we'll, we'll see. And that, so that you almost treat your joint practices like the dress rehearsal almost. Yep. Definitely something that bears watching here as this uh, schedule comes out. And again, we're, we're three and a half, four months away from that being decided, but it will come and it will come very, very quickly. That's a look at the 2021 Browns schedule. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you're excited. We are definitely excited here uh, to get ready for and get on the field for this 2021 season. Right now, I am excited to hear from Gribble and Nathan Zagura. They had a chance to uh, interview and sit down with Chad O'Shea, our wide receiver coach, 
uh, talking about a lot of different things, a lot of different players, some new faces in his wide receiver room, and some of those young guys and how they're getting ready for year two underneath him. Plus, of course, anytime you can hear about Jarvis Odell, all the, the stars in that room, it's never a bad thing. Enjoyed this interview with Chad O'Shea, also previewing rookie minicamp this weekend. Have a watch and have a listen. Very happy now to be joined by the Browns wide receiver, Coach Chad O'Shea. And Coach, you and I have talked a lot this offseason, speed, speed, speed. And you said, oh, speed. How about world-class speed? How about gold medal winning in a 4 by 100 relay speed? How about a Gatorade Track Athlete of the Year speed? And that's what you guys got in Anthony Schwartz. Yeah, we're super excited. I mean, this is something we targeted. Uh, speed is something that we wanted to try to get in the draft, and we certainly got that with Anthony. And we're, you know, we're looking forward to getting started with him this weekend. Uh, he has exceptional speed, but there are so many other things that are required to, to function in our offense, play at a high level, and those are the things we're going to get started on right away. And I know you guys discussed kind of his football intellect and how important that was. What, what did you notice about him in, in the, in the pre-draft process? Yeah. In the pre-draft process, one of the things that we, that we try to do is we really try to uh, interview these guys and get a feel for where they are mentally. And we go through that with the majority of all the guys in the draft. Um, that, and, and he definitely was somebody who was very impressive in that process. Um, and he's somebody that we feel like can come in here mentally and we can move around different spots to maximize his speed and what he does best. But he was very impressive as far as mentally in the process that we had in place for the draft. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a teeny peek behind the curtain with that process. So you watch his tape, the speed jumps out at you. You know about the time speed. You say, okay, so he fits that bill. But you also want to kind of understand how he approached the game in certain plays, right? So what was what were those meetings like? Was it showing him tape and getting his kind of response to certain things? Yeah, there's there's a, a what we do is we visit with them, we watch their tape, and we have them try to communicate exactly what they did, uh, you know, within their offense, and and we try to have them be as detailed as they can on the tape when we watch the tape with them. So we're watching their tape and we're having them tell us what they're doing. And then we actually take and teach them uh, just like we would on day one of rookie minicamp. So they're in the classroom. We're doing it on Zoom. We're teaching them the information that they're required to have learned by the time they hit the field. And then at the end, we do a test and we actually see how they did on that information that we taught them to see how they can retain the information. And uh, he was definitely very impressive. Uh, on the testing and very impressive in his ability to discuss his offense and to be very detailed in what he was doing. So he definitely uh, was, was something that was a strength we saw in his mental through that process. And he's talked a lot about how he's not just a speed guy. And, and I think that's something that drives him to, to not just be known as that. Have you picked up on that? And, and what can you say about all the other stuff that he has to do beyond the getting open with his speed? Yeah, I think he's well aware of what's being said about him, you know, that he's he's got exceptional speed, but there's some other areas that he needs to improve on. And I think that's the first step in, in improving and getting better is acknowledging that uh, there are things that he needs to, you know, make progress in. And certainly we've already discussed those with him. And, you know, he's got to put those into action now. That's going to be my message to him moving forward is, you know, all the talks over, we need to get out on the field, we need to get in the classroom, and we need to address some of those 
the things that you need to improve on, which I think all players have several things when they come to us that they need to improve on. Uh, he's definitely not unique uh, because there's all players that, that we drafted or will acquire through free agency that have strengths and there's things they need to work on. So he's no different than any of those other guys. And, and we're going to be very specific on what those are that he needs to improve on. And he needs to put it into action by, by going out there and working. He's only 20 years old and he's always been split football and, and world-class track. You know, when you look at his abilities and you think about, okay, now he's going to come into my room. I'm going to get to coach him up. You know, what is kind of that learning curve or how can you extrapolate out where he can get as a root running technician and all of those things now that he's fully applying himself to this craft. And again, he's still only in his, he's 20. I mean, he's a, he's a young man. Yeah, I think that's one of the real positives. And we were so encouraged with him being young. You know, he's got a rare trait. He's got elite speed. He's young. He's smart. So usually when you have that combination and you and you have the work to go with it, when you come in with a good attitude and you embrace coaching and you understand how you need to put the work in, usually, you know, that that culminates to uh, somebody that we can really use in our offense and can be productive player for us. It seems like he's already got a pre-existing relationship with Jarvis and, and he mentioned Odell as well. How much of the, can those guys positively influence the, the, the player he can become out there? Yeah, I, I think they, I think it can be a huge positive uh, influence uh, when you have two veterans, Jarvis and Odell, that can guide him in the right direction. You know, they've had some, it sounds like there's been some exposure, but the real exposure is going to come when we all get in the building and work together. That's what I'm so looking forward to when we get get everybody together uh, we can get on the field uh, together, and I think that's really where they'll have a strong influence on him, and it would be an influence that would be very positive for him and our team. What is kind of your goal for a player, let's say like Anthony Schwartz, in a rookie minicamp? What's kind of, you know, you have a th- quick three-day burst to really work with him. Do you focus on let's get one thing down? What, what kind of, how do you approach that as a coach when you have that short period of time with a new player? Yeah, what we want to do is we want to have him have – At the end of our period with him this weekend, we want him to have familiarity with some of our base formations, some of our base concepts. I want him to be familiar with how we run the individual drills at practice. Uh, We basically want to get him started on what we call the basic information of our playbook. Um, We don't want to do too much uh, with the players right now because they're just not in position to, to be able to handle those things. And I think physically, obviously, the goal is for us to get on the field and to come out of the weekend healthy. And how different is this going to be for a player like him and maybe a coach like you where rookie minicamps of the past, you probably had more undrafted free agents, way more tryout guys. I mean, how how will this be different uh, kind of environment than the one you've been a part of? It's going to be a very different environment than what we've been used to in the past because of not having the numbers. But this is something that I think as especially it relates to a young player that we're, uh, you know, looking to get into our system. We can spend so much time with him individually. It's going to be a great benefit to him and us that we get to spend, you know, quality individual time on the field and the classroom with them. And we can kind of devote all our time towards the guys that we're looking to try to get to contribute to our offense this year. So I, I think it's a real positive uh, in, in that way, selfishly for, you know, myself to be able to coach a rookie that, uh, you know, as a draft pick and we're looking forward to working with, I just think it's a real benefit to, to spend as much time as I will with him individually. 
Yeah, I think so too. And you look at, you know, the offense last year, I know you guys did that kind of big offensive self-scout and evaluation. And there were certain things that I think going into the season you wanted to do, but due to whether it be injuries, et cetera, you guys didn't. Does Anthony Schwartz open up some of that jet motion? I know you guys wanted to use some of the deep overs and, and more of the vertical game, not necessarily for him, but also as a creator of space horizontally and vertically for everybody else in the offense. Yeah, I think anytime you have a player that has this attribute of elite speed, there's so many things that you think as a coach that you can do with them. And, and one of the things is just get the ball in his hands. And, and I think a lot of this is going to be uh, moving forward for him is how, how productive is he when we do that with him early here, you know, and, and, but I do think that when you have a player that has the speed and some of the other traits that we like in him and the ability maybe to move around the formation because of the strong metal that we see in him, that, that really he's going to have a lot of opportunity to have the ball in his hands and to do some things to make big plays for us. It's not every year that you bring back all your main contributors from the previous year, both in the wide receiver room and on the offense. And I'll ask with Anthony, is that, is that beneficial for him to walk into a room with such stability? And does that also raise the bar on what he has to do to be able to, to make an impact? Yeah, I think, I think it's real beneficial for him because it's going to be highly competitive. And whenever you have guys that are returning at that position in the room who are accomplished players, he's going to come in that room and realize I have a lot of work to do to get to where, you know, they are and it's going to be competitive. And those guys are also going to, uh, benefit from the competition as well. So I think that that's a great benefit to the, the individual room as well as the team. I really do. For you as a coach, I mean, you're bringing back your top five most productive receivers from a year ago. Is that, is that something you've ever experienced in the NFL before, really running it back to that degree? And, and how does that help you entering year two with this group? Yeah, it's a benefit when you have the guys coming coming back. I mean, we always describe it as the second lap around the track where you're, you know, you're in a new offense, you're in that first lap around the track, and there's so many things, especially with the uniqueness of last year of us not being with the players as often as we were in the past, that it takes a full year to go through that and to really learn what the players want from the coaches and how the system works. So I think it's a real benefit to have those guys back. I also think that one of the things we've worked hard on already in our virtual offseason with those players that are that are coming back for us is the amount of things that we need to improve on and, and make progress in. I mean, we're not going to stay the same. We have to get better. We've already addressed a lot of those things individually and as a offense that we need to make strides on uh, in this next year. So they're well aware of those things. They're well aware of their accomplishments and what we did as an offense last year. But the main focus on this offseason for that group returning is let's get better uh, in every facet of our game. And certainly one of the ways we get better as a receiver group is to add a player like Anthony Schwartz. It's going to add competition and add a trait uh, that, that is very beneficial to the group and that's speed. And on top of them, knowing the offense and knowing all the concepts, do, do you feel like these guys are just getting more out of these meetings right away? this year because this this virtual concept isn't new to everyone anymore. It just seems like you guys are sliding right in. Yeah, I, I think that this year, the first of all, the logistics of just getting started uh, last year relative to this year is drastically different. We were just learning how to, to use the platform that we use. We were, uh, you know, learning how to get on the computers together and and those things. And we've already we've already moved past that, obviously, this year. We, we have familiarity with how we do things virtually 
we know that we can benefit greatly from this virtual process and how it works. And, you know, we've jumped right in. And so some of the things that we covered in our last couple meetings last year, we already moved beyond and we're getting right into football and, and we're getting into football, you know, at that next level, we're not teaching some of the base things that we taught last year within our system. We're relearning our offense, but some of the things we're, we're moving past because we already know. What has been kind of the engagement you've seen so far from the veterans and even, of course, a guy like Odell coming back from his injury, knowing that, you know, they've been around long enough and you were obviously in your time with the Patriots to know when we have a chance to do something here. This is a darn good roster and on both sides, you're running it back on what was a very good offense. You've significantly addressed the defense this offseason. Those guys know this is this is a good team. How have you kind of seen maybe that? elevate or or impact change their response to everything and maybe their leadership to everything yeah as excited as everybody is about this season coming up and and as proud as we are of what we accomplished last year the greatest thing about the group right now as i can speak for the receivers is that their focus truly is on this improvement and getting better and and they're, they're staying in the present. They're staying in the now. They're not, you know, thinking about the past. And, and they're really doing a good job not even looking to the future. They're just staying day to day. And, and they're trying to, to stay in, you know, on the things that they need to focus in on as, a, as an individual, as a group, as a team. And that's the most encouraging part is I don't feel like it's a group that uh, is just standing still and saying, hey, we're going to do this again this upcoming year, just like we did it, because they know they can't. We need to improve in so many different areas and, and to take that next step. And that's been the most encouraging part of all of this is to see how they've embraced that. And I think that's so important that they do that. And then specifically with Odell, what, what's the excitement level of getting him back into an offense that really started to figure some things out in that second half of the season and got got really in, in, into a good rhythm and, and just adding him to the mix. There. Yeah, we're super excited to get Odell back. I mean, anytime you can add a player as skilled as and accomplished as him, uh, you know, back to the group, it, it's going to benefit us greatly. And I think the one thing that's been great for him to see is we've gone through a lot of the film this offseason already with Odell and and showed him the things that he can be a part of offensively for us and, and, and be productive player and be a big part of our offense that we now have evidence of on film uh, that we didn't have last year. You know, last year we were working off of different teams tapes. We were working off of almost hearsay in a lot of ways of how the offense could work. And now we have evidence of, Hey, this is where you're going to be. This is how you're going to run the route. And this is how you're going to win the route. And, that's been something that's been very good for him uh, spending time the last several weeks to be able to go through that process and to envision himself and how he can be a big part of this offense. Is that a real challenge for players and even for coaches when, you know, last year you're watching, you're watching Minnesota tape, you're watching Green Bay and Cincinnati tape, you're watching probably Miami and New England tape. Does, is that when you can see yourself doing it, does that really change kind of the learning curve on it? it drastically changes. I mean, it's guys want to watch themselves. They want to, they want to see themselves in action. They get tired of watching everybody else. It is, is accomplished and as successful as some of these other players that were showing them in last year through the process of installing this offense from different teams, they get tired of it. And, and I understand that, you know, everybody just wants to see themselves. They learn best when they see themselves and they can visualize how they can, 
you know, slightly adjust a route or do something different to, to make it better. So this year it's been so much uh, better to go in a meeting room. And, and we accomplished a lot last year in the virtual offseason. I'm not taking anything away from that, but it's been nice to go in the meeting room this year to show footage of the Cleveland Browns doing it and saying, this is how the Cleveland Browns went on offense. And here's how we need to make improvements offensively moving to, you know, moving forward. So yeah, it's, it's a great benefit to go in there and, and be able to, to watch us do it. The Cleveland Browns do it. I'll say lots being made about all the players on offense back, but all the coaches on offense are back. And, and obviously we see you guys have great chemistry with each other, but how, how comfortable have you guys been working with each other and, and fine tuning all these plans in a, maybe a more normal setting this year? It, it's been great to have the coaching staff together again. And we have, Kevin's done an awesome job of, of making sure we have continuity on our staff. And, you know, he's such an exceptional leader and it starts with him, but the communication on our staff has always been outstanding. And we've had really a very productive off season together. Uh, we've met, uh, you know, hours and hours on how we can improve. It's been, that's been the focus for us is how can we move the needle forward? How can we improve? There's great dialogue between the staff, and, and I think it, it begins with the humility that these staff members have that I work with, and, and you know, no one more humble than Kevin Stefanski, and it starts with him. So everybody's very receptive to different ways to do things, how we can improve, uh, and, and we've really had a very productive offseason together. And that's why we can't wait to get these players in here to put this stuff in action. You know, let's get them out yeah. on the grass. And, and, and I can't wait for that to happen because we really feel like once that happens and we come together as a team, players and coaches, that we're really going to move forward in a lot of the things that we address that we need to improve on. Coach, I just wanted to go quickly to Donovan Peoples-Jones because I remember talking to you last year and you said it was his mental acumen and to pick things up that gave him the opportunities when injuries happened and he was thrust into action and he took advantage of those is if that's probably is that a good example for a guy like Anthony Schwartz and that you know it was kind of what he did mentally that helped DPJ get on the field then he capitalized physically obviously you know and, and also kind of where is DPJ as you see him now headed into your number two yeah I would say when Anthony Schwartz comes in the building I might have a picture of Donovan Peoples Jones just give him the example and the blueprint of how you need to approach your first year um, and that's something Donovan Peoples-Jones did from day one is he embraced the coaching. He worked extremely hard. He also was very strong mentally as he came to us. So then once he put into action his hard work and, and some of those things, he had the opportunity to make uh, or he made the most of his opportunity there when he played. And I think this is a great example for Anthony and, and somebody that he should really side up with and say, look, this guy had a successful rookie season, but he did it through his preparation and the way he approached things. And, and, and I think that, you know, Donovan, I can't say enough. And, and the thing that's awesome about Donovan is in year two, that second lap around the track, here he comes again, he's studying, uh, he's preparing, he's working hard and things haven't changed. So he's a great example to not only Anthony, but I would say all of our players in the room of somebody that, is prepared and makes the most out of the opportunity when, when it came about. Uh, I said, I know the confidence of some wide, re wide receivers, DBs. You think he, Anthony's going to be challenged in, in, the, in the 40 after practice with, with some of these guys, seeing if they can match up with that speed? 
Yeah, the, the speed thing I've always learned through my career, I've had some arguments in the room of different receiver groups I've been around on the speed. So it's speed is something they always want to challenge. So I would not doubt whether somebody challenges. Now, it's it's going to be somebody better have a head start on Anthony because we've seen him run. So <laughs> they, they better have a head start. And, uh, uh, you know, we look forward to having a guy fast. But Anthony's also the first one to, to acknowledge, like, there's a lot of other things that, that he needs to do to get out there and help us win games other than run fast. It's going to be and fun. I, and, I'm, and I'm going to remind him of that on day one. I was going to say probably hourly you're going to be reminding him of that. So, Coach, this has been great. We'll get you out of here on a fun one. Anybody who watched us last year saw all the trick plays, but if they really had watched Miami the year before, they had gone back to New England, they would have seen some familiarity in those trick plays. So I'm curious, are the guys already this early into the offseason lobbying you for more uh, trick play opportunities in your room? Because, well, frankly, Jarvis completed every pass he threw. Yeah, and right, they, they should be lobbying for more trick plays because they've produced so well on those. I mean, I think that really when you look at the production that our guys had on those deceptive plays – they, they executed them very well. And to have guys that throw, and there, there's more than two guys that can throw in our room. I'll just say that. So you have a former college quarterback in we, there. We, That's right. Yeah, we got some guys that can really throw the football. We have some guys that are just good football players. And I think whenever you have guys that can do multiple things really well, you have an opportunity to run a lot of trick plays. So I, I can't say enough about their performance on those plays. And, and certainly I could see why they'd be raising their hand saying, let's do more. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, coach, this has been great. Can't wait to see you get these guys out on the grass. And certainly obviously starting with Anthony Schwartz uh, this weekend at the rookie minicamp going to be an exciting time in your room for this offense, for this team, and, and hopefully for this city as well. So thanks so much for the time and good luck coach. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks to wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea for a bit of his time previewing rookie minicamp. Some great insight into that wide receiver room and that Browns offense that returns so many stars. Gribbs, biggest takeaways from your meeting with the coach today? Well, he seems like a very happy guy with the state of things in his wide receiver room. And I, there's reason to believe there's reasons to understand why. And I think you never really had that wide receiver room really came into its own in the second half of the season. So you wonder just how those guys are all going to fit and get on the field because that first half of the season didn't see much Rashard Higgins, didn't see much DPJ, but now you know what they can do. And then you're throwing an Anthony Schwartz in there as well with the kind of unique skill set he has. It's going to be a lot of competition to, to get on the field, be, and especially in an offense we've seen that traditionally uses two receivers a lot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just going to be highly competitive, but, but suddenly a very dangerous and, and deep group uh, for 2021. Yeah. Uh, and again, the experience that he brings from where he's been. And I know that Nathan's talked about it a lot on Browns Daily, but these assistant coaches all have a say in how this team moves forward. Kevin Stavansky leans on these guys quite a bit. And O'Shea's right at the top with some of the things he came up with late in the year last year to help this team get into the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's, it's a group that's all coming back. I mean, they're, they like working with each other. They're comfortable with each other. And I think that, as he said, you finally get to put on some Browns tape when you're installing this offense. And I think that that helps even more because they've seen what works and now they get to fine tune it and, and kind of take it to a different level. All right, rookie mini camp this weekend. It will be uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, rookies will get in uh, during the day uh, on Thursday. They'll go through some things and then uh, 
you know, we'll get our first glimpse of them in, in the helmets on Friday. Gribs, it's not like rookie mini camps of the past where you had 50, 60 guys. It is a far scaled back version of this uh, rookie mini camp. But what do you ultimately want to see? What do you want to get out of this weekend? It, it's not really for us so much as it is for them. No, and it, it's it's almost like, again, it's it's not what it used to be, but it's better than what was last year, which was nothing. So I think like, but it's also interesting the way that Chad O'Shea talked about, essentially, you didn't sign any undrafted free agent wide receivers. You might bring in a couple tryout guys at that position, but that's a lot of one-on-one time that you get with your draft pick at that position. Uh, you know, the same goes for, say, a, a defensive tackle. Like, even though you brought in Marvin, so Marvin Wilson, Tommy Togia, you, those are, you get a lot of one-on-one time with these guys and, and figure out what they know and what they, 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 they don't know. And, you know, to kind of figure out just what, where they're at and, and kind of, this will be the last opportunity they get kind of in that unique on-field one-on-one setting. And I, I think it's, it's something that I think the players can get a lot out of. And I, I think for the coaches, I think they're just thrilled to get back on the field at this time of year uh, and not have to wait until training camp like they did last year. Yeah, no question about it. It'll be nice to be out on the practice field. And it doesn't look like the weather is going to be too bad. And it's starting to get a little nicer. So we are getting closer to the start of training camp in the 2021 season. Thank you to Chad O'Shea for his time. Thanks to Jeff McDaniel for all of his hard work. Gribbs doing an outstanding job along with Zagura on the interview with Chad O'Shea. Uh, you can check out all of the best podcast available episodes uh, now 14 in the can for 2021 go to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast like and subscribe today to the best podcast available you can also watch us on youtube youtube.com slash browns for andrew gribble i'm jason gibbs we're back with you next week thanks for watching thanks for listening to the best podcast available